0: this was a tumultuous year that we have been through as a country, as a world, as a people, as a church. And so I want to look back. Um, and Travis started this year with a word. Can you guess the word? Can you? It was, it was deeper. And his first sermon in 2019 was on going deeper. And many of you weren't even here yet. You weren't even a twinkling in the eye of... No, that's something else. Um, But we we decided that 2019 was going to be a year of deeper. Where we went deeper as a church. Where we went deeper in our relationship with God. Because this is not something that we can be casual about. This is not something that we can be superficial about. As I went back and I listened to that from a year ago. Don't worry, I'm not going to quiz you on what he spoke about. But he opened it and he told this story about a movie that he had seen growing up. And it was a basketball movie. And uh, the star in the movie, the coach said to this player, I wouldn't go horse for a player with no potential i wouldn't go hoarse yelling at a player with no potential and i read a book this year and it came across and it was a similar message this was in randy posh's book the last lecture Uh, he played football in high school and he had a coach that rode him hard got in his face And after one particularly difficult uh, practice, an assistant coach came up to him and said, When you're screwing up and nobody says anything to you anymore, that's when you're in a bad place. When you're screwing up and nobody says anything to you anymore, that means they've given up on you. It means they're not willing to press in and have a difficult conversation. They're saying that you're not worth the investment anymore. You're not worth the tension. You're not worth me getting upset over. It means they've given up on you. And so if we as as the church, and if me and Travis as, as leadership in this church are not pressing on you and challenging you and saying hard things, I believe that means we've given up. I believe that means we are not invested enough to challenge you and to say difficult things. To correct where it's needed, to reveal truths that we might not enjoy or particularly like. But that's that's what love is. That's what it means to go deeper in a relationship with somebody else with God. It means you're opening yourself up and being vulnerable. Another thing that he said was that if you're breathing this morning, which it looks like you are, if you're breathing this morning, you have potential. You have potential. And since I don't want to copy his message entirely, what I would add to that is that if you are breathing this morning you have a responsibility. You have a duty, a call on your life. If you're sitting in this seat this morning and if you're part of this church, you do not get a free pass. You have not punched your ticket and is waiting for your train to come. That's not what this is about. If you're breathing this morning, you have a responsibility. To God, to yourself, to this church, and to the rest of the world. Whoever you meet. We're not going to let you off easy. We're not going to come in here and say things and help you feel comfortable where you can come in, sit, be entertained, and leave. Knowing that someday you'll end up in heaven and all of it will be good. That's not what we want to do here. And so we spent this entire year going deeper, right, and talking about that. And a lot of our sermon series reflected that. And I'll get into those and kind of touch on those as a recap. But one thing I want to understand and one thing why I'm kind of bookending this year by going deeper again is because we need to. We can't have a, a great 2019 and then say, that was good. Okay, what's next? You know, that was fine. Let's take 2020 off. Right, Because if we get to a point where we are content and do not pursue a deeper relationship with God, then we don't fully understand who God is. If we think for one second that we know Him enough, that we love Him enough, that we worship Him enough, then we are misleading ourselves and thinking God is small enough that we could fully comprehend Him. Which is not the case. And that's a good thing because we could spend the rest of our lives going deeper. Learning more about Him. Learning more about His love. And it would not be a year wasted. It would not be a lifetime wasted. We spent this year going deeper and preaching deeper and living deeper because we believe That there is more down there. That there are things that we still don't understand. Things that we still don't fully know. And I'm not talking about a new gospel. I'm not talking about new revelations. I'm talking about living them out fuller. Appreciating them more. Having more understanding. More wisdom. That if we keep digging, we will find treasures of wisdom and grace. Because I think we've just scratched the surface. And another thing to consider too is that if we're not pursuing God, right? If we're not investing in going deeper with God, if we're not pursuing Him, we're pursuing something else. There's always something that we're chasing after. And if we're not pursuing God, we are pursuing something else. What is that other thing? What is it? Answer, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Because it's not going to measure up. It's not going to fulfill. It's not going to even compare to who God is. So we're not stopping. And 2020 is going to look different. We've got vision with buildings and reaching the community and All of these things I'm so excited about. We're going on missions trips. We're having men's retreats and women's retreats. We had a a marriage retreat last year. uh, Yeah, okay. This year, uh, that was just so amazing. But in the midst of all of that, the thing that needs to be consistent here is that we keep going deeper. That we keep growing in faith and maturity In our walk, that we keep striving to understand more of who He is, spending more time in the Word, in prayer, getting closer to God. And this morning, as we look at this, there are three things that we see going deeper with with God. The first, as we go deeper with God, we become more loving. And I don't mean in a cushy, soft kind of way. The first place I want to look at this is Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. And as you're turning there, I want, to, I want to pause on this idea of what it means to be more loving as we go deeper with God. Because I see this as a, a, a covenant that we have. Right, where it's not just God loving us and it's not just us loving God, but that there's a relationship, there's a give and a take. In John 15, verses 9 through 17, Jesus says to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Right? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That's a downward love from God to us. And if we flip that around and we look at our side of it in Luke, uh, in Luke 10 and in Mark 12 and back in Deuteronomy with the Shema prayer uh, where we see this love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. That's our love to God. That's an upward love. A total love of everything that we have. Are we there yet? Can we say that we have that? That we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength? So we've got room to grow. Awesome. Let's keep going. I hope you're there. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7, through 13, uh, 7 to 14. This is probably my favorite passage in all of Scripture. This is something that has been with me for years. Um, as Paul is writing... Starting with verse 7, he says, But whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead." Verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this or am perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What do we see in that? What kind of loving relationship is Paul laying out here. The first thing in this is that it's sacrificial. It's a sacrificial kind of love. If your love does not cost you anything, I wouldn't call it love. Real love is sacrificial. Real love is you giving something of yourself to that which you love. You're assessing, you're, you're, you're assessing value with it. You're putting value in something and saying it's worth this many dollars, this many hours, this many broken hearts and nights lying up in bed crying because my heart is so invested in this. This is the love that Jesus demonstrated when he went to the cross. And it's the love we need to show to Jesus and to each other. A question I want to ask you this morning, how sacrificial is your love to God? What are you what are you sacrificing right now in your relationship with Christ? Is it an hour on Sunday morning? Have you sacrificed relationships because you were unwilling to compromise your faith? Have you sacrificed position at work because you weren't willing to cut corners or fudge books? What are we sacrificing right now in our faith? We're not being persecuted, right? Our lives aren't at risk, but that doesn't mean that we're still not supposed to sacrifice things. And I'm not saying it has to be easy. I'm not saying we have to delight in it. Paul does. Paul counts everything that he lost and says, you know what? It was garbage anyway. Because he understood the surpassing wealth of knowing Christ. That anything, any sacrifice he had to make paled in comparison to the reward that he was getting. So he said, yeah. I'll sacrifice all day long. He sacrificed his position where if you look earlier in chapter 3, his position as a Benjamin, uh, as as someone from the tribe of Benjamin, uh, as a a Pharisee, as as somebody of high standing in in Jewish culture, they threw it all away. Because he saw something more valuable. But we don't have to be like Paul. Sometimes it's a little harder. When I think of that, I think of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he he wasn't dancing around, celebrating what was coming. He was sweating blood, drops of blood. And he was praying to God, if you can find any other way, If this cup can pass from me, please, let's let's go with plan B. Because he understood the sacrifice. But I'm thankful this morning that he did it anyway. That the same thing that Paul saw, Jesus saw, was that the reward of this sacrifice was worth it. And I hope you see that this morning. As we looked over this year of going deeper and as we head into a new year, I hope that you understand and commit to making sacrifices for the love of Christ in each other. The other thing that we see in this in verses 9 and 10 is not just sacrificial, it's intimate, it's personal. Love is intimate. Even in a crowded room, when I hear about all the people that I would admire and look up to, they're always described as, as being intimate, even in a crowd, right? Have you ever heard this about somebody where they, they made you feel like you were the only person in the room? Where even in a crowded room, they could look at you and make you feel special. They could look at you and make it intimate because they cared about you and focused on you. What Paul does in verses 9 and 10 is he, he, he has three words that he uses that I think display his intimacy. The intimacy of his love for Christ. The first one is that he wanted to be found in him. He wanted to be so close to Christ that if you were looking for Paul, you found Jesus. You couldn't find Paul without finding Jesus. That's intimacy. Asking God, I want you so close that people can't look at me and not see Jesus. The second thing is that Paul wanted to know him. He wanted to be found in him and he wanted to know him. In verses uh, (coughs) 9 and 10, he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The third thing is that he wanted to be like Christ. How intimate is that? I want to be like you. All of you. Not just the good parts. Because he says here in the, in the end of verse 10 that I may share his sufferings. You might want to share the blessings of Christ, but do you want to share his sufferings? The other part that becoming like him in his death. Is that a part of Jesus you want to be like? Sharing in his sufferings, being like him in his death? That's part of it. That's what Paul wanted. And I love this in verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Going through death to be reborn. Going through death to have that resurrection. So the love is intimate. It's sacrificial. It's also passionate. passionate these are verses 12 through 14 not that i have already obtained this or am already perfect but i press on to make my my own because christ jesus has made me his own brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own but one thing i do forgetting what lies behind and straining straining do you hear in that word straining New Year's resolutions are coming up and you're going to be going back to the gym and you're going to feel that strain of sitting over Christmas break. Some of us, the strain is a little easier because we've been sitting around. But I hear in that straining, that, that tension, that pushing of himself, straining forward, to what lies ahead forgetting what lies behind not spending time there i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus as passionate paul is determined he has set his mind on the prize of christ jesus and he's passionate about it and you can see that in his life You can see that in his life. It's, and it's not just in the good times. It's even in the bad times. Even when he's imprisoned, you can see his passion when he looks at the guards around him and instead of getting discouraged and dismayed, he gets encouraged because he has a captive audience. They think Paul is captive. He thinks they're captive because they have to listen to him <laughs> Preach the gospel. That's passion. That's looking at any situation and saying, here's an opportunity. I heard it said about Billy Graham, you could ask him his favorite color and he'll be able to turn it around into a, a message about the gospel because he was passionate about it. A deeper relationship that's loving, that's, that's sacrificial, that's Where we are giving ourselves. It's intimate, where it's close, and it's passionate, not passive, not superficial. Another thing that we see as we go deeper with Christ is that we're serving, right? We're loving, and through that, we're serving. In Mark 9, 35, and then again in in chapter 10, verse 45, he sits down with his disciples, Jesus, and he says to them, if any would be first, he must be last of all and a servant to all. A servant to all. Not the people that are going to be able to repay you. Not the people that are going to get something for you. Not the people that will call your name and acknowledge you and thank you and recognize you so that you can puff up your chest and you say, hey, you hear what they did? They helped me. And so we have this inflated sense of ego because somebody is recognizing a good that we did. but a love that serves all. That's Mark 9. In Mark 10, he says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not to be served, but to serve. And if it was good enough for Christ, it's good enough for you and me. Because I think he's a pretty good role model there's three places that we need to serve as we go deeper. Three, three places of serving that are going to come out of us going deeper. The first is that we serve him. That we are fully committed, like Paul says, a bond servant. We serve him. In John 12, verse 26, he, he says, if anyone serves me, He must follow me, and where I am, there also my servant will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Are you serving God? Or are you asking what God can do for you? Is your heart driven to serve? Not out of obligation. Don't get me wrong. But you are so moved by what God has done for you that you jump at an opportunity to serve. Not to get a blessing, but to be a blessing. First and foremost, we have to serve God. Absolutely, 100%. And that looks like a lot of different things. But that's the first thing. The next is the world. Right? We don't just serve him. We're called to serve the entire world. And One of my favorite passages is Isaiah 58, <coughs> uh, verses 6 through 11. Speaking hard words. Here we go. Is, uh, Isaiah is talking to the nation of Israel because they've been, fa- they've been fasting and it hasn't been working they've been flipping it on and off but they're not getting anything and they're wondering what what's going wrong we've got everything plugged in and he says this in verse 6 is this not is not this the fast that i chose To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. All of these things that we're called to do, to share our bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into our house when we see the naked to cover them. This is the kind of fasting. This is the kind of service that God is calling us to. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel, through word and through deed. There's this great pastor uh, from England. His name is Jay John. I don't know if any of you heard him. He was in the 90s. Uh, he was a comedian, funny guy. And he was, he was um, I was debating sharing this video because he's hilarious. But he said um, when he goes on an airplane, he, he, you know, and people ask him what he does, he doesn't really like to say he's a reverend because that kind of gets him looks. But he said he was on an airplane and he got talking with somebody, and uh, the woman, you know, he asked the woman what she does. And so she said, You know, I'm in marketing. What do you do? He says, Oh, I work for a global enterprise, <laughs> big, you know, biggest nonprofit in the world. She's like, Whoa! what do you do? She's like, well, we operate orphanages. We open schools and hospitals. We do marriage reconciliation. We do family care. We do feeding programs. We do it all from birth to death. And we, we also dabble in uh, behavior alterations, you know, and modifications. <laughs> And so he talked about the church in this way of what we do as the church and the way that we serve the world. And there's something underneath that which I love about our faith and what Christ is communicating. We go into those places where nobody else is going, we go into the darkest corners of the world. Because we know that Jesus is there. And we know that every single person who lives in those places is valued and loved by God and deserving to know his love and to have the church come alongside them. And I've been to some of those places. I've been to an old tuberculosis hospital in Dominican Republic, which was taken over by Haitian refugees and who are living in absolute squalor. And I've seen this shanty church that was there. Tin walls, a tin roof that looked like a starry night because of the holes that were in it. And yet the church was there. that is christ that is the church serving the world because we know that's what god wants us to do so we serve the world the last thing that in this serving is that we serve the church we serve the church each other First Peter 4:10 says this, "As each has received his gift, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace." You have a gift. I don't know if you knew that, but you have a gift that is so unique to you that God has bestowed upon you, and he's saying, "Here's your gift. It's for you. I want you to give it to others. Which is so backwards in our world today because so much of what we want is for us to get gifts for us. So much of the marketing that we hear today that is bombarding us is telling us you need this. And just if you can have this, you'll be better. And it's all about what you can have for you to be better and to have a better life. And God's saying, I'm giving you a gift for the sake of others. There's an image, an illustration of a priest who had a dream. And he was walking down a hallway. And on the right, he saw, he, he saw hell. Hell. And in it was a big pot of stew. And everybody had their arms fixed out and they had a spoon. And everybody was dipping into the spoon and trying to feed themselves. And they all looked like idiots because they were trying to feed themselves with outstretched arms. And everybody was upset and frustrated. And he said, well, this doesn't look right. So we went across the hall into heaven. And when he stepped into heaven, he saw big pot of stew. Everybody had spoons. Everybody's arm was stretched out. Everybody was dipping in. And they were feeding each other. And everybody was fed and happy. Because they understood their limitation, but they understood it in the context of we are together. We are serving each other as the church. That is what we are called to do. When we go deeper with Christ, we're gonna serve each other because we're family. The third thing, as we go deeper, we're more loving, we're more serving. The last thing as we go deeper is we are fellowshipping. For this passage, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And as you're turning there, listen to this. If Jesus spent eight hours a day, eight hours a day, every day for three years with his disciples, right? That was the length of his ministry. Eight hours a day. He was with them every day. He would have spent roughly 8,000 hours with his disciples, 8,000 hours, and after all that time, well, we know how they were. (laughs) They had some gaps. They still had flaws. 8,000 hours with Jesus, and they still had room to grow. If we think that one hour a week on Sunday morning is gonna be enough, it will never change people. One hour a week is... That's nothing. We need a life that abides in him with the support of others. That abides in him where we are constantly fellowshipping with God and with each other. There's three things that I want us to grow in fellowshipping. As we're looking back at this year as we've done and as we step into the new year, the first thing, the first place where we grow and fellowship is in community with each other, in a community together. Not doing this by ourselves, not on our own, thinking I don't need them, they're going to bring me down, but doing this as one. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 starting with verse 42 and they be- devoted themselves they devoted nothing nothing half-hearted about that if you're devoted to something you're in they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship of breaking bread and the prayers They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Day by day, those who were being saved. This is not just any community that we're talking about. We cannot be a community for the sake of being together. While it's a great thing and I love all of you and being with you, this is not the end. This is not what we're striving for. This is not the ultimate. This is not the summit. This is only a point on the way to getting there. We have community because it reflects the the relational nature of God. As God is in relation with each other, right? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That relationship is what we mirror when we have relation with each other. And he loves to see us together as a body. But we are also in community to point each other towards Jesus, right? I said that about hard things at the beginning, where we cannot be passive. And one of the things that I hate, I hate about our culture today is how we are so scared to challenge each other and to correct each other and to point out our faults and our flaws because I don't want to upset you. I don't think you can handle it. And that goes in the opposite direction as well. We're not willing to hear correction. We're not willing to hear constructive criticism and challenges to how we are living. Because we have become so sensitive that anything and anybody who says anything that we're doing is wrong is immediately blocked. There's a a name for it today. I, I can't even believe it. It's called... Cancel culture? Has anybody heard of that? Where you're, you're basically cut out of someone's life because they cannot handle what you're saying. And it's become such a thing. Uh, Maine Public Radio did, did a segment on a whole show on cancel culture because it's become such a thing where now, if somebody disagrees with you, you have to cut them out of your life. And you, just can't, you can't have them speaking negativity over you. We need to wake up and get to a place as a community, fellowshipping with each other, where I know where you're struggling and I can press in and challenge you and hold you accountable. One of the first things that drew me to this church was a community that I knew I wanted to be a part of. I was sitting with Russ and we were with a group of people and we were talking about movies. And I loved movies and I loved going to the movie theater. And in my old life, I used to boast about how much contraband food I could fit into my pockets. Um, Taco Bell was a favorite, I did that once. I brought a few bean burritos into a movie. And there was no shame. I cracked that open in the middle of a movie and just ate Taco Bell in the middle. And I was proud of the fact that I could sneak things in. And I was right. I was just. Because those prices are exorbitant. Amen. Amen. (laughs) They kill you at the concession stand. And I said, I'm not having it. I'm bringing in my own snacks. And Russ, 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 dear. Dear Russ, he looked at me and he said, "But that's the way it is. That's the rule. You buy the concessions that are there." And I said, "Russ, do you know what a medium popcorn goes for today?" And he he laughed and it's integrity, and I was pricked. I was challenged because. I didn't like that, but immediately my spirit knew he was right. Immediately I knew that for integrity's sake, I couldn't do that anymore. It had been put in my heart that the right thing to do, certainly not the easiest thing to do, but the right thing to do was to abide by the rules of the establishment, pay the highway robbery. And know that I was doing the right thing. And I, and I thought about that. And I chewed on that. <laughs> like buttered popcorn. Uh, Alright, I can't use that anymore. Okay. Uh, so I really, really thought about it. And, and I said, if that is the kind of community that is at this church. Where those kinds of people that are going to say those things. That's where I need to be. And here I am. Because I... (laughs) Okay, yeah, it's good, I guess. (laughs) And we're putting this into practice in the new year. We're taking our small groups and we're figuring out how to build more community around them so they last longer and so that they are kind of ongoing and you are going deeper with your community to the point where you can get to the place where those people can say those things over you and know where you're struggling and know where you're sneaking snacks into the movie theater. And they can can look at you and trust that you'll accept when they say, you can't do that anymore. We're doing that this year through our men's retreat, where our men are going to get together and be with each other and go deeper. And we're doing that with our women's retreat this year, where our women are going to get together and build community and go deeper with each other and challenge each other. Not just to get together and have a powwow, but to say, here's where we are, here's where we want to go. You're coming or you're not, but here's where we're going. We're going to be living a life of integrity, of holiness, and we want you to come with us. The other thing is through prayer, right? We're fellowshipping through community. We're fellowshipping through prayer. Prayer as a body and prayer towards God, right? So we're fellowshipping with each other through prayer, and we're fellowshipping with God through prayer. As we go deeper, our prayer life is going to take off. Will there be seasons of dryness where we don't hear from God? Yes. But we're putting down those roots to reach the water where the sun won't dry it up. When we go through those times, drawing on that reservoir of faith and blessings from God. It's why we went through the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of the year. Right? Remember that series? This was the first series we did in 2019 where we wanted to go deeper in our prayer life. And the way we did that was spending eight weeks in the Lord's Prayer, learning how to pray, learning how Jesus prayed, the model that he demonstrated for us. Spending time to with God in prayer, fellowshipping with him. And the deeper we go with God, the more we're gonna to wanna to fellowship with him in prayer. The last thing, the last place we're going to grow in our fellowshipping is in the Word. is Scripture. And looking back at Acts, the church, they had prayed together. They broke bread together. And they didn't have a New Testament, the early church, in Acts. But they had the apostles' teaching. And that became Scripture. And that was what they held on to. They had that and they had the Old Testament, which they drew on. But they went through and they broke bread and they prayed together and they listened to the apostles' teachings. And you know what? That's what we're going to do. It's not my job to come up here and make the word come alive to you, the word is already alive. <laughs> I don't have to say some magic formula and make it come alive to you. This is living and active. And it will change our lives. And as we go deeper, we're going to go deeper in our word, in our scripture. And that's why in 2019, uh, in 2020, we have this reading plan where we want to see the church all of us together going through this and reading through God's word. Because if you're a part of a summit, we want to encourage you to go deeper. And we think there is no better place than the Bible. I'm in 1 Kings right now and it is rocking my world. Absolutely. It is, you don't need anything else. They didn't have anything for years as the church. All they had was the scriptures, and that was enough for them. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we close. And as I implore you, as we close out this year of deeper that you do not let it go and see it as a nice thing that was last year, but that you understand the importance of this being the beginning. That as we set deeper as a culture, as one of these points that we hang our hat on here at this church, that you commit to that as well. And whatever 2020 looks like, whatever vision we go, whatever direction we go, understanding that underneath it all is a commitment to being deeper, to growing deeper with Christ. Building on what we went through this year. Right? We went through the Lord's Prayer, how to pray. We went through the I am statements of Jesus. You want to talk about getting intimate? We spent eight weeks hearing Jesus' own words about who he was. We spent 17 weeks on deeper faith. You want to talk about serving and sacrifice? Go back and listen to those messages. But my heart for you this morning, my challenge to you is that you do not let this go. Do not settle for a shallow, superficial Christianity. This is a new year, a new opportunity to go even deeper than before. To make new commitments. To set new standards, new goals for yourself. And allow us to come alongside you, lift your arms, and go with you. And do it with you. Will you pray with me this morning?